Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys, and enjoy. So first of all, when you look at mercy in the Old Testament and you see what uh, the Hebrew word is or yeah, is and uh, how, what it really means, it, it has three distinct meanings. It means goodwill, specifically human to human. It means kindness. Uh, and it also means a zeal towards anyone. I, I, like, I like that. A zeal towards anyone. So when we're speaking about mercy tonight, this is a value that is, that is very important to us followers of Jesus Christ. When we think of mercy, let's think of it in, in, in the biblical context in which it was wrote in. It means goodwill toward people. It means kindness toward people. And it means zeal towards anyone. I, that just sticks with me. I really like that. A zeal towards anyway, so anyone. So let's look at the paper. I'm going to stick to the paper for the most part on this one, except for a story that I am going to share with you uh, and some extras. First, uh, so the first time this subject appears in the Bible is Genesis 43, 14. Of course, again, like I always say, it's not the first time you see it. We see mercy coming from God when Adam and, in, Adam and Eve sinned, correct? We see it even before they sinned uh, because we see God's goodwill toward humanity prior to sin. But as far as it being mentioned, it reads, and may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back to you. That's Genesis 43, 14. The last time that we see it uh, appear in the Bible, and of course, it's not the last time that we see it exercised, is Jude 1, save others by snatching them from the fire, to others, show mercy mixed with fear. That's a bit of in, that's that's really interesting. Hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Uh, that's you know we're not gonna we're not gonna going to go there. But man, what a scripture to dive into if you're really wondering how we should accommodate certain sins and certain acts of the flesh within the church. There is a belief that certain tolerations should be allowed because of mercy, because of grace, when it comes to certain type of, of sin in the church. I, typically, I don't agree with that. But anyway, what a verse one could dive into to kind of wrap their brain around that. So let, let, let's read some Old Testament scriptures on the subject. Exodus thirty-three nineteen. it says, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Uh, Psalms is always good. I'm going to read all of them. They're all good. Have, Psalms 51, 1 through 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgression. Wash, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. Micah seven eighteen. 
Who is God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Let me just read that last one again. You do not stay angry forever. I don't know about you, but man, that, that, that's like a blessing to me. How many of you ever felt like you made God a little on the mad side? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chris, I raised both hands, brother. Like I, I know I've opened my big mouth before. Or I've treated people certain ways, and I like, okay, daddy's mad at me. Daddy's mad. I should not have said that. I should not have done that. And I, I, I am so grateful that his angry doesn't, anger doesn't last forever. Amen? Let's look at a couple of New Testament verses. Uh, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy find grace to help and find grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, you, I'll let you guys finish reading there. I, I got a, a few sections to read. So I, I want to read to you uh, a beautiful, beautiful story of mercy. One of the greatest examples of mercy. I'm not really, I'm not going to break it down. I'm not going to preach from it. I just want to read it to you for you to see it and, 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 and tag a little, a couple of things to it. So this is the story of Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm not saying this because I think most of you are ignorant of. It. I'm just gonna say it just in case someone doesn't know. Jonathan was the son of King Saul, who was King David's best friend. Jonathan died. At this time, David was king. And David said, asked, is there anybody basically left in Jonathan's house? And a servant of Saul was brought into David, and David said, yes, or this servant said to David, yes, there is one son left, and he's crippled. And basically, he was dropped when he was an infant, and he was crippled in both legs. And then David sent for him, and this is where we're here, right here. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. So, the, so King David gave all the land and all the land that his grandfather Saul owned. But that wasn't enough. David was also like, and you're going to sit at my table when you dive into this. 
he was allowed to sit at the, the table that David and his own sons ate at. But that still wasn't enough. David wanted his life taken care of. So David said, you're going to have these servants, and it was a total of about 35 servants. You're going to have these servants, and they're going to work this land, and they're going to provide bread for you. David didn't have to do this. There was no connection. There was no promise. There was no covenant. But David loved Mephibosheth's father so much, Jonathan. They were like, they were, you know, like brothers, but not brothers. They were friends that stuck closer than brothers. And David showed mercy upon Mephibosheth because of his father. Now, there's a lot of messages in this story. We can really get inside this story and, 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 and use it as a way to uh, apply God's blessings for us, even though that we might be crippled uh, because of who our father is we have access to blessings. So, you know, that's, that's a little freebie right there. But before we jump out of this, I, I, I want you to, I, I want us to consider ways that we can show mercy. Uh, ways to show mercy is being purpose, purposefully being kind to somebody. Remember, mercy in the Hebrew means to be good, to have goodwill, to show kindness and a zeal toward anybody. So how can we share mercy? Is to purposely be kind to someone. Another way is for us to exercise forgiveness, maybe when the person on the other end doesn't deserve it. That's not the easiest thing to do, is it? Another way to show mercy is just giving to someone. Goodwill, kindness. It's not based off of what they deserve. It's not based off of what they've done. It's not based off of what we want back. It's just being merciful. Another one is being willing to sacrifice for someone. Maybe sacrificing your time, sacrificing resources, sacrificing belongings, whatever it might be. Sacrificing for the good of somebody else. And the last one is offering your time, your services, and your helps to someone with no strings attached. Now, for me, my mindset typically when it comes to mercy is there is a link between mercy and wrongdoing. Traditionally, that's where my mind goes. If, if, if I cry out for mercy from God, it is in the idea, Lord, have mercy on me. Don't give me what I deserve, but bless me with your goodwill in spite of Maybe my mistakes or my failures and everything. And I think that is historically traditional when it comes to mercy. But really, when you dive into this and when you jump into various scriptures, mercy is not always linked to someone not deserving or someone who has sinned and been given grace. Oftentimes in scripture, mercy is just the act of doing good to and for someone it's the act of exercising kindness and again repeating myself it's the act of having a zeal towards anyone another way to wrap your brain around a zeal toward towards anyone is exercising a favor towards somebody 
You know, sometimes God, or let me ask you this. Has, have you met somebody and just something about that person just got your attention? And it's like you just liked them. I don't, you, you, you might have been able to put dots together, but for whatever reason, something about them you connected with. And out of your power and out of your resources and authority, you just exercised favor to them. Have you ever done that? I have as a pastor, uh, just a certain individual or certain individuals just absolutely just stand out to me. And there is a zeal toward them. There is a favor from me to them. And that is a type of mercy. I've also experienced it. It's great. It actually feels good when you are in a role that allows you to exercise mercy. But it also feels good when you're in a position to receive mercy. Because I've been on jobs and I've been in positions and I've been in churches to where I was given favor. For no reason at all. They just looked at me, talked with me, and next thing I know... I'm like their best bud. I'm their right-hand man. I'm, I, I'm getting the hookup. And I'm like, I don't know what I did, but thank you, Jesus. I'm getting blessed. <laughs> Favor, in all reality, it's mercy. It's a, zeal to, it's a zeal for or from someone. Does that make sense? So as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's so important to be willing to exercise mercy. Like, let, let's say on the job, it, it, it has nothing to do with somebody needing it or deserving it. Rather, everybody needs it, excuse me. It has no, imagine just exercising a goodwill or kindness or a favor, a zeal to someone, you know, for no, like no strings attached, no reason whatsoever. Just out of nowhere, you just start showing kindness to someone God puts on your heart. What, I mean, I mean that, that would spread some good, right? I mean, that would just be like a light. That would be like just some, just some, some good vibes, some good love being spread. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should, we should do that. And you know, a great place to do it is when you're driving. Can I get an amen? Instead of cutting off, instead of jumping in front of somebody, just exercise some goodwill. Let them go in front of you. Can I? Uh, I'm, I'm just getting smiles. I, you're like, I'm giving them a goodwill. Uh, I'm giving them a goodwill. <laughs> you better not be doing that. That's not, that's not, that's not, not the Lord like. Okay, I'm going to spend some time on the next one. have a bit of experience with this personally and quite a bit of experience when it comes to dealing with people. It's funny how you can go through something in your life and the next thing you know, here God is sending a whole bunch of people to you uh, similar to what you have gone through. And back in the day, as I've said before, it's nothing new. I've dealt with, I, I've, I have dealt with some anger issues. And uh, that was a long time ago. That was in my early 20s, uh, like really early 20s, late teens, early 20s. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in a position to talk, minister, pray, whatever, talk to someone that was dealing with some anger issues. So uh, I'll read the first and the last, but I'm really just going to get to my notes in this. I got, I got some stuff to share with you. So the first time the subject appears in the Bible, Genesis 39, 19, when his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Anybody know where that, story, where that came from? What story that came from? Yeah, 
But it's not the first time you see it, correct? Can someone tell me the first time that you really witness anger in Scripture? Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so the last time we see it, uh, it says the subject appears in the Bible, James 1.20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Man, that's a good little smack in your face, isn't it? Let's, let's read that again. James 1.20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Mm, very, very good. Now, I encourage you to go through here and finish it. I'm going to give you what I got, okay? So in the Bible, we specifically see God get angry, and we specifically see Jesus get angry. So because we see, that, we see this, we have to realize that anger is not necessarily a bad emotion. In fact, there's two places in Scripture it says that I'm going to only read you one. Psalms 4.4 says, Be angry and do not sin. I, I really like this. This is the key to settling your anger. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Selah. Let me just give, and most people know this, but I'm just going to say it. We're recording it. If you, if you find yourself getting angry for bad reasons, and you, it's not leaving you, if you can get a bit of control of your emotions in your mind, sit yourself down and ponder the matter in your own hearts, but yet be open to the voice of the Lord speaking to you and leading you, there's a great possibility that that anger would begin to subside. Let me take a step further for those of us who are married. It's important that if one of our, if, if our spouse is getting angry for whatever reason, and they need to do what the bottom of Psalms 4-4 does, let them do it. How many times do we get mad at our spouses and instead of allowing our spouse to take a break, give a breather, and ponder the matter in silence, it says, and be silent, selah, think about it, it's important. How many times would the matter, the issue at hand in our marriages, have become a whole lot better if one or both would have just stopped and pondered as opposed to, mm, 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 mm. no, let's talk about this. No, we got to get this out. No, let's do this. No, right now. What did you mean? What did you say? What did she say? What did he say? And just like, bah, 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 bah. and before you know it, all of a sudden you're like, boom, you blow up and you explode and all sorts of things happen. And it's totally opposite of the Bible, but it requires wisdom and self-control, which is another lack uh, in moments of heatedness, correct? When we are heated, it's very hard to exercise wisdom, and it's hard to exercise self-control. But if we can have enough self-control, which is the fruit of the Spirit, we can calm down, think about it. Again, I'll say this. The one thing that helped me overcome my anger. Now, I was delivered from anger in five days. So I started a new job on Monday full of anger. I'd blow up in a heartbeat, break windows, punch walls, uh, 
You know, I never, I never got physical. I mean, I did get in fights, but I, I never, like, got in physical because of my anger. I got in fights just because it, it just happened. But, uh, uh, you know, things just happened. But anyway, uh, where's that at? Where's that? Oh, what the Lord, what the Holy Spirit, so I started working for this construction guy who was delivered of anger. He told me his testimony, and within five days, my anger went from 10 down to like 2. But the thing that helped me is a constant thought. Like when something typically would blow me off, uh, the thought that would come, does it really matter? And it was the Holy Ghost. Every single time, the Holy Ghost would say to me, does it matter? Does it matter? Does it really matter? Does it really matter? That car cut you off. Does it matter? That person gave you stink eye. Does it matter? You're not feeling guy. Feeling good. Does it matter? You don't like this person. Does it matter? They don't like you. Does it matter? They're staring at you. Does it really matter? You know? Am I making sense? So what really was happening is what I, I didn't even know it at the time, but this is what the Holy Spirit was having me do. Ponder. Jonathan, does it really matter? And I can tell you 100% of the time, the answer was no. And since it doesn't matter, why do I want to lose my peace? I was starting to rub off on Lorana. She was starting to lose her temper, lose her cool. My spirit was becoming her spirit. We were married. And so I, I took all that into consideration, and I was like, no, it just don't matter. And then she was, she'll tell you, she was floored. She's like blown away. There would be times like after that, that week, she would expect me to blow up. And she'd be like, like waiting for the alarm to go off, right? Like waiting for it. And like nothing would happen. I'd just be all chilling out. Like, like hardly nothing makes me mad now. People being stupid make me mad. But, uh, but anyway, that's, 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 that's neither here nor there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very low-key. I'm very, very late. The, the fighter left me. The aggressor left me. Everything just, just left me. Like, and, and so anyway, but that's what happened. The Holy Spirit had me pondering. Just ponder. Just think about it, Jonathan. So, so anger can be used for good and bad. So what do I mean by that? So, for instance, <clears throat> for the good, or let, let, let me put it this way. I'm kind of losing track of myself here in these notes. Anger causes, anger is like the root of so many other things. Usually anger is an is a entryway into a whole lot more. And so it causes things. But what it causes is not always bad. So the outcome of anger can be good and it can be bad. And I want to give you some examples. So as far as for the good, what it can cause is a fight against wrong or injustice. Say you witness or you are a part of a, of, of a scenario to where there is an injustice against somebody. It makes you mad. You get angry and you rise up to do something properly. I'm not talking about being a vigilante or taking the matter in your hand, going to somebody's house with a bat banging on the door. And, Come out here, you joker. I ain't talking about that. All right, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about doing the right thing of if you're having to confront a person, confront a group, confront a, a, a problem, 
being angry can rise you up to fight for somebody that is in need. Does that make sense? Okay. It can cause you to take a stand. I'm reminded of MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. MAD was developed because of a mother that got mad because her child, I believe it was her son, uh, was killed by a drunk driver. Uh, being angry for good, the, the, another good, is make changes in your own life. You can just get angry and mad at yourself. You can get angry and mad that maybe your family, your family is going through something or things aren't so good in your marriage or things ain't so good on your job. You know, there's a bunch of things. And what it can create in you is uh, the, the, the desire or the push to make changes. Just make changes. Uh, last but not least is purpose. This happened for me in 2012 or 2011 when I, I, I got sick and tired of hearing about girls being trafficked. I got angry. I got mad. I was already angry and mad over it. Not in a bad way, like not in a sinful way, but I was just mad. I was upset that these ladies was being forced to do these things. And I, I, I joined a couple of groups and I was actually involved in, in rescuing quite a few quite a few young ladies. Uh, where did it come from? Well, it come from something God put in my heart, but also because I was angry about the injustice and I rose up and there was a purpose to help liberate these young ladies. And some of the root of that was anger. Does that make sense? So not all forms of anger is bad, but now let's, let, let's look at uh, some of the bad that it can cause. Okay, so it can cause violence. It can cause hatred. Anger can cause unforgiveness. Anger can cause disunity. Anger can cause separation. Anger can create fighting. Anger can create a quarreling. And even though a lot of people don't admit it, anger creates misery. I've never met a person who was angry and happy at the same time. Never. It makes people miserable. Anger is a thief because it causes us to lose time, like good time, healthy time living. It steals intimacy. If you're screaming and yelling, do you think your spouse wants to be intimate with you? Do you think your kids wants to be intimate with you? No. Heck no. It totally breaks that down. It steals things. I punched a truck windshield once, and I, sp I spider-webbed the whole truck window, the front window. I smacked it and just... <laughs> that cost me my window and cost me a lot of money. I had to pay for that booger, and I got a ticket for it also. It can cost relationships. I've known of people who's been who who separated, who divorced because the spouse could not get over their anger issues. So it causes bad things. So we 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 see that there's bad and there's good that comes from anger. Uh, there's also some 
there are, let's see here. There is also some uh, acceptable and unacceptable causes of anger. Uh, so a personal, a personal violation is acceptable uh, cause of anger. So if someone violates you, you have every right, spiritually, emotionally, legally, to, to be angry. Uh, being a, a, a offense, someone just absolutely offending you is an acceptable cause of being anger or having anger. Someone harming you, this can be mentally, physically, spiritually, you ha- it is an acceptable cause to have anger. A crime against you, it's an acceptable cause to have anger. An action against you, it's an acceptable cause of anger. But let, uh, that, let me tell you this. So even though we have all these acceptable causes for anger, there is still a problem that uh, it is associated with this. It's the inability to not let anger go even when you have the right reason to be angry. Am I making sense? So some things that keeps anger staring in you, even if you have an acceptable reason to be angry is unforgiveness. That's a big one. When, when, when you're angry because of what someone's done to you or said about you, and you cannot or you will not forgive them, there is no way to dispose of your anger because, see, your unforgiveness keeps the thought, the hurt, the pain, the offense, it keeps it current. It keeps it there right in your brain, and you remember the emotions, or you even might continue to feel the emotions, and oftentimes that anger is nothing but a loop. It dies down and picks back up, dies down and picks back up, dies down and picks back up. And one of the reasons could be because of a lack of forgiveness. Now, I know not all offenses, offenses are easy to be forgiven. I'm not speaking out of ignorance. I know there are some personal violations that is really, really hard to forgive. I get that. It doesn't mean we cannot begin the process to walk through that journey of forgiveness. There are some things that happens to us we just need to forgive and forget. There are some other things that happens to us we can't forget. Right? And there, but there has to be a process steps that we walk through to deal with our anger, to deal with our forgiveness. We've heard it. When we don't forgive people, we're not harming them. We're harming ourselves. And one of the harms that we do to ourselves is the containment of anger. And that containment of anger, it creates misery and it it could, you know, hatred, violence, all all those things that 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 I've read. Another thing that, that can cause a prolonged amount of anger is a lack of understanding. Like your spouse might do something or your kid might do something that really makes you mad. And, and you are thinking it's being done for a certain reason, but it's our, it's, in our reality it's done for another reason. As a pastor, I, I deal with this at times. Uh, so pe- problems uh, or offenses come across my desk and at first, I'm, I'm hearing them, I'm looking at them, I'm reading them, whatever it might be. And I'm just like, I'm getting irritated. Like, why? Why did this person say this? Why did this person do this? You know, I'm just getting frustrated. And I can tell you, oftentimes, I'm frustrated. I'm getting angry because I don't have the understanding of why they did what they did. 
And once I sit down with them and I talk story with them, and they share with me the reasons and what's happening, not all the time, most of the time, I can honestly say most of the time, there is no reason for me to be upset. There's no reason for me to be angry. And my anger just simply comes from a lack of understanding. Man, if we can get the understanding, if we can calm ourselves down to be able to hear the understanding, like, you know, the ponder, the ponder principle, just stop, take a breath, be willing to just have the understanding of the circumstance that is making you mad, more times than not, you'll be able to deal with the issue or have an understanding of the issue without all the anger. Does that make sense? Another one is not letting go. You can say you forgive people, but yet not let it go. Not letting something go is keeping all the emotions and all the pain and specifically all the anger attached to you is really hypocrisy to be as a type of hypocrisy you say you forgive but you won't let go now what is hypocrisy hypocrisy is saying one thing but doing another you say oh i forgive you but yet you will never let go what they did to you and because you don't let it go you don't let go of the emotions that is attached to it anger hurt Pain, offense, aggro, blah, 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 right? I, I, I have dealt with that numerous times where someone says, oh, I forgive them, but once I get into the conversations with they won't let it go. Oh, I love them, I forgive them, but they did this and they did that, and it was this, 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 and it's dawned down the line. I said, well, understand, understand you've been hurt, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, not, you know, ignoring that, but. But really, in order to really forgive, you got to let go. In order to really become healed, you need to drop it and put it behind you and move forward. Amen. It's very important. Now, again, anger is not a virtue, but it's an anti-virtue. We have a few of these things that we've been talking about the last few weeks that are anti-virtue. So this is an anti-virtue. Our virtue of God. So let's move on to patience. It'll be the it'll be the quickest one. Let's just look at the paper. So I, I hope you can take some of those thoughts, ideas, uh, experiences, and principles with anger, and maybe apply them to your life. Apply them to your children's life. Uh, I, I've had conversations with my own kids when they've lost control. Sit down and of course talk with them very softly, very gently. But I've let them know, hey. This is not going to happen in our house. That spirit is not allowed here. You're not going to lose your cool. You're not going to yell. You're not going to punch anything. It's done. Sometimes you got to rise up as the man or the woman of the house, however it, it might be in your circumstance, and you got to squish any type of, of wrong negative, you know, demonic activity uh, that might be trying to surface in your family. Amen? All right. Patience. Look at someone and say, I love patience. <laughs> you know what? Having patience actually is great. But let's just be real. 
I love having patience, but I absolutely hate the process to be patient. Oh, can I get an amen? Yeah. Say, preach it, brother. Hey, you ain't lying. <laughs> Come on, I need to be in a southern church. They preach with me on that one. But half of you guys have roots from the south anyway. So. But seriously, right? Patience is absolutely wonderful. Like they, someone can be screaming, can be screaming at you, can be cussing at you. You know, I, I am so, I admire parents that has this golden amount of, of patience with their, you know, wild, crazy kids. Goes, man, I, that's a struggle for me. And they're just like all patient and no, no, don't do this. Don't do that. When I'm like, ah, I'm crazy. I want to go crazy myself on them. Uh, but they have all this patience. It, it really is golden to have that kind of patience. You know, just like my dog, my my dog is still alive. My dog ain't dead yet. If, if, if you was here on a Sunday morning a couple months ago, I, I said something about my dog on his deathbed. The other night, I about had a blow up because I, I, I don't sleep very well, and my dog would not let me sleep. And he keeps making these noise. And his sleep, his jowls are like. I'm like, shut up! I didn't do that, but in my mind, I was like, shut up! And I like didn't have no patience. And I was actually praying, God, three o'clock in the morning, God. And I was being dead serious. God, kill this dog. God, in the name of Jesus, I want my dog to die. I, I'm being dead serious. I'm not exaggerating. In my kitchen, I was praying in anger. Lord, please let Salty die. Please let Salty die. I am not getting no sleep in the name of Jesus. Die, dog, die. <laughs> no patience. No patience with that stuff. But if, if, if I was to have patience with that junk, guess what? I'd be like snoozing and cruising. Salty would be like, and I'd be like. So if you have patience, like, like you are like golden. Like it's awesome to have patience. But the process to get it, I know what God's trying to do. He's going to let my dog live until I get the patience to deal with all those noises that irritates me. Like, why me, God? Lerana can sleep like a stone. It like don't matter. I can like have a drop. I can sometimes I'm playing my guitar, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, and she's and I'm like, ah, Jimi Hendrix is going on in the house, and she's like, and I'm like, God, why didn't you bless me with that ability to sleep? Our dog has actually he, he can't jump anymore, but somehow or another, he has crawled up in the bed with her. And I have gone in there because she sleeps and I don't sometimes. And here my dog is sprout out in my spot. And I said something to my wife and she'd be like, oh, I thought that was you. I know I felt something heavy next to me. <laughs> like, I ain't freaking, I'm not heavy like that. I don't, I know, I'm not hairy like that. He's thinking it was me. She sleeps like a rock. I don't, I don't. And I, and I struggle with patience. I ain't going to lie. And the process that God uses sometimes for us to have patience, man, it's hard. Can I get a ride on? But it is so needed. And if we can remind ourselves how golden it is when we really do get it, 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 I mean, if you've ever been through a circumstance where you can say, yeah, I have patience in this. Like there are some areas I really have patience. You know, and there's some areas I don't. But I can honestly say it's so nice in the areas that I do have patience. I'm just relaxed. I'm easygoing. I'm calm. I got peace. You know what I mean? 
Like, it don't bother me. Like, someone was to cuss me, it don't bother me. You can flip me off. You can cuss me. I'm just like, whatever. It don't matter to me. Now, if you did my wife or my kids, it'd be a different story. Yeah. But, and it's so nice just to be like, who cares? It ain't nothing to me. Right? Let me read you some of this. I'm going to let you go home. I think I'm running. Yeah, I've got three minutes. First time the subject appears in the Bible is, a person's, is Proverbs 19.11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Ooh, I love that. This, so this verse here is connecting offense with patience. It doesn't always apply that way, but it, 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 there's times it does. Let me read it again. It's so beautiful. It hit me today in my heart. A person's wisdom yields patience. Get that? Our, our wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Man, that's, that's beautiful. I just love that. Uh, the last time we see it appear in the Bible, of course, not exercised, is 2 Peter 3.15. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. Bear in mind. Keep in mind. Think about it. Don't let it leave your understanding. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. In other words, thank God he saved or we would all be, con- I mean, patient, excuse me, or we would all be condemned to hell. That's really what it's saying. His patience means salvation. Man. That's, that's like smacking your face, sobering right there. His patience means we have salvation. Let me just, uh, let's do it this way. I want some readers, because this is the last one. This is the last. We should have done this since the beginning. Uh, Joe, would you read Psalms 37.7? Joe, do you, do you have the paper? You don't have it? Oh, you got the wrong one? Oh, shoot. Okay, never mind. Oh, never mind. It's okay. Never mind. Never mind. All right. Never mind. Never mind. Be patient with me. Deserving. Deserving. Let me read it. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Have you ever got antsy because you saw someone else getting blessed before you? No? <laughs> hey, man, you're like, you're like super spiritual, dude. You're super spiritual. But no, really, be still before the Lord and just wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. It's, you know, basically it's saying, hey, just wait on the Lord. Your time is coming. Your time is coming. Amen? Just be patient. Wait on the Lord. Last one. Be compl- Ephesians 4, 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It's so important that you and I are patient with one another. Uh, sometimes that can be challenging in any kind of family, a blood family, an extended family, a church family. But it's so true. You and I really need to bear one another up in patience. Because in our reality... Patience is, is what I didn't read, and it's what I will end with. 
1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is patient. It's that simple. Yeah, I know I'm not loving my dog right now. But we need to love one another enough that we are patient with each other. Even though we are different and on different levels of faith, on different parts of our journey of faith, it's so important for us to be a body of a body that is patient with each other because it really means we love each other. Amen? Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.